uh, those ancient words, and it talks about those that had been martyred. And I was thinking about Tyndale's. He was tied to the stake, right, and said, "Open the king of Israel, of uh, Israel, open the king of England's eyes," right, and then God answered that prayer. We end up coming. God gave us His Word, perfectly preserved in our language, and so uh, what a blessing that has been. And yet today it's overlooked. We had a great message this morning about Israel. They looked Israel. They looked the Lord in the face, and they rejected Him. God left the apostles. They looked the apostles in the face, and they rejected them. The apostle Paul comes in, in Acts, as we saw this morning, and many rejected the word, even though many Gentiles would receive it, and they missed out on the opportunity to carry the word of God. Right in our theme verse there in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-four and verse fifteen, uh, Hilkiah, you know, found the book. Shaphan carried the book to the king. Right? The, it, there's so much that goes into this. We're assembling the word of God, but we're also uh, we have couriers, right? Uh, that's what we're partnering with Alan Johnson uh, with these Spanish Bibles, and he's going to make sure that these get carried to the destination they need to go, where the king wants them to uh, to go, so that they can get in the hearts of people. And it is a great privilege to be a part of assembling the Word of God. And and amen to everything that Mason had said. And and so it's important uh, <clears throat> to to go, right? It's important to go with the Word of God. And so uh, today, I, before we, I'm going to call another audible brother. So just uh, for now, for, so uh, I want to just take a moment uh, and and uh, introduce you to, there's a missionary that we've been uh, acquainted with, and he's spoke here a couple times. I wanted to get, he's in town this weekend, had an opportunity to come and share his testimony. Uh, he was delayed, uh, like many of us out in the weather. So uh, Fernando Basilor is here with his wife and, and uh, daughter, and so we're glad that you guys have been able to come. And uh, uh, Fernando, I'm going to, yeah, <clears throat> I'm going to invite him to come up here and uh, he's going to share just a brief testimony of the work that they're doing in Ecuador. Uh, he has uh, persevered through much difficulty over the last several years through COVID, through all the different things that they've gone through. Uh, and uh, and, he, and uh, he was in town and he says, hey, brother, I'm here. I would love to come and see your church. I said, you know what, I'll bring you in Friday night. Uh, and uh, and uh, give you an opportunity to share the ministry there in Ecuador. So, brother, it's good to have you, and uh, thank you for making it through all the difficulties, thank brother. You, thank you, brother. Hello, brothers, sisters. For me, it's a privilege to be here. Good afternoon, good evening. Uh, at this time, we came together with my family, as I promised the last time. I was by myself, but this time uh, my wife and my daughter, Melissa, could come. So after the service, you can say hi or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I am very glad in this afternoon to be here. And I am so glad of how the Word of God is being displayed. It's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. It's not about what is going on in our lives. It's about what and how we are giving honor and glory to God. And the best way to give honor and glory to God is through the Word of God. So I am so happy. The last time after the presentation that we have with Pastor, we were in his office, and he was giving me all the discipleship that here in the church is being displayed and being used. And I was just comparing everything that Pastor uses here, and it's just the same that we are doing in Grace and Life in Quito, Ecuador. So we are very, very happy and blessed that the church is growing through the knowledge 
of the Word of God. So, brothers, I just encourage you with all my heart that you continue, that you read, that you go through the Word of God, that you be immersed in the Word of God, that you love the Word of God, that you put it not just in your mind, but let it go down to your heart and then apply it. And the best way to apply it, we always say, the best way is to go and do missions. So I just want to say hi from the Grace and Life Bible Church in Quito, Ecuador. All the brothers and sisters say thank you very much for all your prayers and your love towards the ministry down there, towards our family. And a little testimony is just what is God doing in Ecuador. We've been praying for many, many years uh, that we can still share the gospel in this country. And it is very difficult because it's Catholicism very uh, doing an impact there. Uh, it's an uh, idolatry. It's a, a complete uh, way of thinking and belief that you don't have to put your trust in Jesus, but you have to put your trust in Virgin Mary. And I respect everyone, if it is somebody Catholic in this evening here, it's no problem. My mom is Catholic. The problem is when we don't preach the gospel. And when we don't understand what, what really means being a Catholic uh, person, which means universal. You have to believe universal, but the universal belief is to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my testimony is to ask you in this afternoon, what is the gospel? If somebody has to ask you what means for you the gospel, what you will answer? Uh, we've been asking this question for the whole year. And a lot of people assume that they know what is the gospel. But the problem is we don't know it in our hearts. We really don't know what means the gospel. So this this evening I very, I am very encouraged that you are having this uh, fantastic, wonderful program of the Bible. And... I think if you are immersed in the Bible, you will find the gospel. Because the gospel is from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We have to understand that the gospel is our sin. That without Christ, we don't have hope. That we are condemned. And that is why even if we can try with our own strength to earn salvation... Is no way apart from Christ. That is why he came. He died on the cross. And God being holy and just. He is love. And that is why he loved us so much. Sending his son. And the gospel is. Believing that we are sinners. And believing that we need Jesus in our lives. It's the only way. For eternity. When you believe. You have to receive in your heart. And you have to receive the knowledge. Through the Bible. Read it. Know it. Through the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. You have to find Jesus in the Bible. You have to find the hope in the Bible. 
And finding that hope, you have to apply it in your heart. So that is why it's so important that the Bible, the living word, Hebrews 4.12, is so important, the living word, it's being applied in our lives. We need to apply it, brothers. We need let the Bible come from our minds to our hearts. And so I've been just asking for all the, this year in many churches, what is for you the gospel? And if the gospel is not acknowledging in our hearts that we are sinners, that we need Jesus, that we need to receive him, that Jesus died on the cross and resurrect, but he is coming one day. And so what is the gospel for you, brothers? That is the message that we've been preaching. And also, through that message, we have to build discipleship in all the lessons that we need to grow in Jesus. So thank you so much, brothers, for your prayers. Thank you so much for your, uh, maybe your heart to uh, provide. Thank you so much for your heart to be maybe asking where is this family that is visiting us. Maybe this is the third time that we are visit, visiting this church. Thank you so much for asking for us and everything. I just ask you that you continue praying because there's a lot of things doing in Ecuador. The corruption is bad. All the, the government is bad. But through the word of God, we can gain this country for Christ. And in a country that doesn't have hope, through the Bible and through Christ, we can do a difference. We can make an impact. So I just want you, brothers, just to finish this testimony, if you can stand with me and just pray. Because it's not, again, it's not about me. It is about the glory of Jesus in God. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to visit in this wonderful church. Thank you so much for Pastor Brian that is just putting his heart, his life, his mind. Uh, everything that he does is to teach and preach about your work. Uh, thank you so much for what is going on in this wonderful church. Thank you for the commitment. Not to be religious, but to really show people the love and the need that they have to really believe in you. Thank you so much for this wonderful program, these, these three days or four days, I don't know. But thank you so much for this biblical program just to put in their attention, their focus on the Bible. Thank you so much for all the Bibles that are being distributed in many families, in the hands of many families, in the hands of many children, youth. And for maybe for, for a lot of these people, it's going to be the first time reading a Bible. And thank you so much because we've been, maybe we... We were born with a Bible. Maybe we grow with a Bible. And maybe we don't notice the really importance of having a Bible. But for someone that never read it before, 
but some for someone that never believed in in the Bible before, it's just amazing. I just ask you that you just bless my brothers. I know a lot of them maybe are with needs, with problems, sickness, maybe discouragement, maybe decisions. But thank you because they are putting aside all problems that has to be with them and they are putting their focus in your honor and glory through this biblical program. Thank you so much. I bless them and I just ask you that you just bless this church and continue preaching your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor. And uh, I tell you, they are doing a good work in Quito. And I, I've uh, he's come. This is his third time to be here, as he said. And and uh, and and uh, the Basilors have endured quite a bit. And so, if you want to get a chance to meet them, I'm sure they'll hang around. We got work for you to do, brother. So uh, so after the service, there's still more work to do. Uh, but as I've said every night, it's time now to just focus on the Word of God. And I'm so excited uh, to be able to. Uh, introduce uh, Pastor Gary Berry, and some of you are like, Gary Berry, what happened to Brian Berry? Well, Brian's going to come up and sing in just a moment, but this is his father, uh, and for those of you who don't know the story, uh, several years ago, uh, Pastor Randy and I attended a conference, a pastor's conference at Brother uh, Gary Berry's church just up the highway uh, in Belton, and um, would you know, as we got there, uh, it was a, it was a great conference and we ran into this young man who had a table out and said he was going to Ireland and God just put it on my heart and Randy's heart. We had a good time at that conference and, and, uh, we appreciated everything that, uh, that Brian also was working on there in Ireland. And, uh, that's how we got introduced to Brian Berry. And so when we were putting together the conference, Randy's like, Hey, let's, let's, let's bring Gary Berry. And I said, that's a great idea. Gary and I have been, we've, we've corresponded, but we've really never had a great chance to connect yet. And we need to do that. And so this is a great way to do that because our relationships, I was talking about this morning, um, the things that we're doing around the word of God are Philadelphian in nature. That's how doors get open in a, in a Laodicean era where people are not hearing what God is wanting. They're the door. He's knocking. People don't hear they're deaf. Just like we heard this morning that we, you know, we can just let the opportunities go right on by. We can think that we're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and then completely miss the main thing. And what really draws us together is the book. This is what makes it, this is what gives us brotherly love is this book and this book in particular in the English language. So, uh, so it's so, it's such a blessing to have other brothers in the battle, uh, right here in our own community, in our own county. And I count a great privilege, brother, to have the chance to, to get to know you. For those of you that know a little bit about Baptist history, right, uh, Heartland, uh, we trace our DNA back through, uh, you know, Wendell Zimmerman and, and his church plant here in Kansas City that ended up becoming Kansas City Baptist Temple, which was our sending church, uh, where our, de- our dear brother we were just visiting, and uh, he goes to Parker Daily. So these are guys that were uh, working Kansas City Baptist Temple, Blue Ridge Baptist Temple. Uh, we're just going great guns for the gospel, you know, a few de- few decades ago. Of course, now Blue Ridge Baptist Temple's Man of Fellowship out there on 291, Pastor Rick Friesen. So we know those guys as well. And uh, and so we just have a common heritage, and it's uh, it was just good to catch up and, and visit and, and just kind of reflect and go down and remember that, you know, that God uses uh, men, you know, and he uses men uh, that are yielded, and he, and he has movements. But we don't want to turn into a machine or a monument, right? 
And to keep from doing that, we've got to continue to make disciples and keep handing off the mission uh, to new faithful men who are able to teach others also. And there's no better evidence for that, in my mind, than looking at this man and then looking at his son. What an example that is. Amen? Amen. And so I'm so thankful to have Pastor uh, Gary Berry come and preach to us. And, th- and I'll let you introduce your wife, but I'm glad you're able to be with us as well. And uh, and and uh, just give him a good HBF welcome as he comes to preach. And, oh, before he preaches, Brian's going to sing. <laughs> so, I got ahead of myself. I apologize. Pastor Hedges and Pastor Randy. It was at my dad's church and had a great conversation with them afterwards. And they wanted to know more about Ireland and what I was doing. And and they were like, hey, would you maybe be able to come to our missions conference and do something? I said, yeah, when is it? They're like, next week. I was like, oh, um, sure. So, uh, but I'm thankful uh, that that worked out. I'm thankful for this church. I love my prayer team. I love this church. And um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. Um, this is a song that's been a huge encouragement to me, and um, this song's just called I'm So Glad I Met Jesus. What a joy I found in Jesus, what a gift it is to know the one who holds the heavens. The Savior of my soul What a miracle it is to Hear you speak to me What a treasure to behold you Simply to believe I'm so glad I met Jesus Didn't know what I needed But now that I've seen him I to hide. I'm so glad I met Jesus. Now I'm caught in this freedom. I can't run from your goodness, bringing everything to life. I'm so glad I met Jesus. What a friend I've found in Jesus, what a life he's given me. And all my darkest days are over, he's redeeming everything. I'm alive with eyes wide open, I've tasted and I've seen. Into deep to turn back now, how could I not? I'm so glad I met Jesus Didn't know what I needed But now that I've seen him I have nothing left to hide I'm so glad I met Jesus Now I'm caught in this freedom I can't run from your goodness Bringing everything I'm so glad I met Jesus. I remember the moment he told
told me I'm free from my past. Now all that I know is I'm never turning back. I remember the moment he told me I'm free from my past. Now all that I know is I'm never turning back. I'm never turning back. Don't you know that he loves you? He wants you. He's knocking at your door. He's calling you over. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I'm so glad I met Jesus. Didn't know what I needed. But now that I've seen him, I have nothing left to hide. I'm so glad I met Jesus. Now I'm caught in this freedom. I can't run from your goodness, bringing everything to life. I'm so glad I met Jesus. I need to mention this about Brian. He had wisdom teeth pulled um, Tuesday, and he was supposed to have it done a long time ago, so I called the dentist and set it up, and I took him. He had three of them pulled. First one was out in about five minutes, right, Brian? The other two took about three and a half hours. So he's been in a lot of pain. That's why he was not here last night. I say this for this reason. If Brian starts to flop around and speak in tongues, he's not charismatic. It's the medicine, okay? So um, just need to explain that for, you know, the, the, the uh, what-ifs. Well, Brother Hedges, thank you very much for this opportunity to be here. I count it a great privilege and um, just looking forward to our friendship growing over the years to come. And, um, and um, so look forward to that. Um, I'm excited to be here at Heartland Baptist Fellowship, and I, um, I've known what the theme has been, and I just figured that no one would preach from the text. Except I went to Wednesday night service, and uh, Brother Randy, you did a very good job on that, so um, it's like, okay, well, let's not try that, so, um, but what, what's happening this week with the Bibles is tremendous, and I, um, I saw online under Brother Pastor Brian's um, um, Facebook page the numbers here, and um, this church is to be commended. And I, I pray that God would give you much fruit from your labor and what's taken place. And um, I pray that tonight that God would use His Word to encourage you. I want to encourage you within what you are doing. Now, as I pray for you for that. You're never supposed to start a message out by apologizing, but I need to. I do apologize. I I normally sleep about three or four hours a night. I was awake by two this morning, and um, I was praying, saying, "God, help me preach up a storm." <laughs> I am so sorry, people. 
I, I apologize. Um, but I do pray that what we have tonight, that there will be encouragement for you as a church and as a church body as you do a wonderful work for God. Because in, in all the things that have happened in Cass County this week, I would probably say that this is the most important thing that's happened this week in all of the county here. And um, God has promised us one thing about his word is that it would never return void. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to uh, Mark chapter 4. And also, let's turn turn to Isaiah 55. And we will be flipping back and forth a little bit and um, um, going back and forth and looking at what God has there. And let's look at, first of all, over at Isaiah 55. Now, Isaiah 55 and verse 11, it says, So my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereunto I send it. Well, Father, I pray tonight that God, as we um, encourage your people here, Father, I pray that they may continue on with the good work that they have started. Father, to take the Bible and to put it together and to assemble that and to send it to people, Father, they don't know people they would never see on this side of eternity, but Father, you know them, you see them, and you realize that there is a emptiness within their heart. But yet, Father, I, we pray that they may find the book, they may find the Word of God. Father, they may feed upon it and read about the great story of salvation that has come to all mankind. That, Father, they may call upon Christ as their Savior. So, Father, bless this time tonight. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What's unique about finding the book is that every time you find it, there is something new that the Bible does. The Bible is fresh and the Bible is, is alive. And I, I don't like watching movies the second time. When I watch it the first time, it's going to be the same thing the second time when you watch it. So basically, I watch it one time and I never want to see it again. But the Word of God is different. I never get tired of reading about the flood and about Noah and, 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 and trying to imagine within my mind what it must have been like. I never get tired of reading through about the judges and about David. And I, I, man, talk about a man's story going out and chopping off someone's head. My. And as a boy, he's faithful to God and all the other things with David. And I never get tired of that. I never get tired of reading about Paul and about taking the gospel to cities that have never heard about Christ. And every time you open the Bible, it is fresh and it's alive. It has the power to change lives. It has the power to take a sinner and to make them a saint. It has the power to transform the broken. It has the power to restore the broken. It has the power to to, to give direction to those that have no direction. Is able to restore broken hearts. Is able to take homes that are broken and homes that are falling apart and put them together. It, the word of God has the power to uplift those that are fallen. It has the power to set free those that are in bondage. It has the power to set free those that are in captivity. It has the power to take a simple life like Rahab 
and to make it one of beauty and of grace. It has an ability to take us to where we were dead in our trespasses and sin. It was able to quicken us and make us alive in Jesus Christ. My friend, there is nothing like this. And let, let me tell you this. There is nothing that Satan hates more than the Word of God. He hates everything about it because when someone finds the book and they take it in and they start reading it, it transforms their lives. And when they get excited about it, they take it to someone else and it transforms another life and someone else comes into the family of God. Everything good about this book, he opposes. He questions the authors of the Bible. He questions whether or not God really inspired it and God breathed it. He questions whether or not God is able to preserve it. And my friend, that's why we defend the Bible and why we try to get Bibles to people I have never known, never have heard. There is no other book that's able to change lives as the Bible is. This book is above all other books. This book is, is the eternal word of God. And this book is the only one that shows us the way to God. No other book would do that. The great thing about this is that everything within it would never return void. It never is empty. We know what void is like. Um, um, All of us, we have done this before where we write a check and then we don't need that check and we would void it out. And basically that check is Worth nothing. My friend, the Bible's not that way. There's nothing about the Bible that is not useful in everything. It speaks to us about the power of God and about the seeding, about the seeding of the good news. Listen, God knows, but wouldn't it be great if you could see every person that this Bible, that these Bibles go to? And what it's going to be, it's the seed of God's word going and it's going to take root in hearts and in minds and it's going to transform people. Back over in Mark, if you return there, Mark chapter 4. We find that within this that we find a parable and the parable is about seed and about seed going forth. And here in verse 26 of Mark 4, it says, and he said, so is the kingdom of God as a man that casts seed into the ground. He should sleep and rise night and day, and seed should spring up, should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. We find that the very first thing that we see tonight is that God's ways are not our, our, our ways. Because here's a man, he, he goes out, he's a farmer, he takes the seed, and he puts it into the ground, and he gets up and he looks at it through the night. He looks at it through the day. And he's kind of blown away by how does it grow? And we look at it today and we say, come on, we know how it grows. We we have been in science, you know, and we have seen that. We have seen the photographs. And from a scientific standpoint, we know. But the Jewish people believe this. They believe that when they planted a seed that they really had no part of growing it. That the growing of seed was completely a divine thing that God did. And thus, when it says that, um, and knoweth not how, this is reckoned 
recognizing that God is the one that brings forth the seed. And we have no idea how God is going to take these Bibles and how God is going to change hearts. But we know this, it is God that does it. It is God that sees ahead in time and that God is going to take it to the right people to change them. Everything that we do is within the hand of God. In these Bibles, we go to people that we never know, we would never see, but we believe that the Word of God is powerful. And we believe that God empowers His Word as it goes forth. And you don't understand this. You don't understand all the ins and outs. You just understand that God has called you to do this. There's so many mysteries that come forth in life that we just don't understand. I hold in my hand a very simple flyer. This flyer is 25 years old. It was just a church flyer. And that was for Desert Springs Baptist Church. Because 25 years ago, our family went to Tucson and we planted a church. Honestly, that had to be truly of God. I mean, I am, my wife says I'm a people person. I said, no, I'm not. I mean, um, I, I'm really the type to where it was raining. It's like, okay, it's going to be counseled tonight. I don't have to speak. Praise God. I mean, that's, that's how my personality is. I'm not truly a per, people person. But yet God does things that never make sense to us. And God called our family to plant a church. Within it, we had these flyers. And I would go out on the hot days and I would go campus, knock doors, invite people. And, and of all places to send me was Tucson, Arizona. I hate the heat. Now, now, now how many of you like it hot? Okay, I'm going to pray for you people because... I I I I I've told my people for years. Years. Anyone that likes it hot, they're preparing for eternity. <laughs> so I'll pray for you all, and uh, maybe we'll have an invitation here at the end, and you can get saved, okay? Because remember, God likes it cool. You say, how do you know that? First reference of God, He met Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Okay. So anyway, that's another, a whole another sermon. Okay, and I can keep going and going and going. Trust me, I've studied it out. <clears throat> but it's hot. And I hated the heat, if, you, if I haven't told you that. And it's about 102, maybe 3, 4, 5, 150. I don't know, it was hot. And I'm out canvassing, and I'm going up and down through neighborhoods, putting these on doors, and I finish one whole area, and I come back to my car, and I, I'm on a street. My car is parked there. And I looked at it, looked at that street, and it's a mile long. I thought, I'm not going to do this street. It's worthless. You know why? There was only houses on one side. I thought, it's hot. I'm going to walk a mile down and have to walk a mile back to the car. And no one's there. It's, why? And God said, do it. I said, you do it, God. I don't want to do it. So I went down to Circle K. I got a, a, a Dr. Pepper, something cold, not hot. And because um, it's hot outside, if I haven't told you that. Um, so I went and got a 
Dr. Pepper, I come back and I drink it. And um, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do these streets here because I can go up and back houses both sides, up and back houses both sides. I'm not doing this street here. It does not make sense. And God said, do it. I said, God, it doesn't make sense. There's no houses on the other side. Did you ever say, God, do you understand? So finally I said, okay, okay. Have your way. I'll do it. So I got out, took these flyers, started going door to door. And remember the very last house. It was in the cul-de-sac, and that was the last house because it was hot, and I had to walk back with, what, no houses on the other side. I walk up to the house, and there are dogs there, and they are barking. They are, they, they are big dogs. Now, not like dogs, okay, but only if they have the right name. If they're hot dogs, I like them. Besides that, I really don't, okay? So I, I um, walk up to the door, and they are Rockweilers and Big dogs, and they're trying to get through the door after me, and I just leave a flyer, and I walk away, and it's hot, and I have to walk back a mile. No houses. Like, are you satisfied, God? The next Sunday, we had two families show up. It just happened that those two families was from the very last house on the street I was not going to do. My my friend, I believe that God knows things very well, don't we? And God knew very well that on that very last house that there needed to be a flyer there. That family came, those two families came for about two weeks. It was a son and his family and his parents. About a month later, the youngest son starts attending, him and his wife and they have about a three-year-old daughter and a brand-new baby. They started attending and attending and coming and growing. And you know how they grew? It wasn't by my wisdom. It wasn't by what I had to say. It was by simply, this is what the Bible says. That man would start going to fellowship meetings with me, and I took them to camp and at camp. The very first year he went to camp, he had led his first soul to the Lord. And my friend, that was from the house that I was not going to do. Now, I can keep talking about this, but let me make this very short. That family ended up surrendering their lives to God, and today they serve in Spain as missionaries sent out of our church. They're doing a phenomenal job. And at the end of next month, my wife and I and Brian are going to be over there for a dedication of a building. God's ways supersede our ways every time. And God knows exactly what we're supposed to do. And when God casts a vision to your pastor and says, listen, you as a church, you need to do so many Bibles. And, 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 and someone's saying, they're saying, Think, well, why do we need to do that many Bibles? Because my friend, there's someone out there and they're the very last house on the street that someone's going to take a Bible to that house. And at that house, they're going to open up the Word of God for the first time. And they're going to see about the plan of salvation and how they, if they call upon Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that all of their sins can be forgiven and they can be part of the family of God. God's plan is always right, is always correct. And we follow that. Over in Isaiah 
let's look back over to Isaiah 55. Again, it says it this way. 55 and verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, that's what happened that day with me on that street there. My and God's thoughts were not the same, but his thoughts are always better. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For the heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm glad that we have a God that's thoughts and ways are higher than ours. What a mistake it would have been for me not to listen to God when he knew exactly who lived in that last house and the ramifications that would happen from that over and over. We have, again, the promise that God's word would not return void. And back in Mark chapter 4, in verse 28, we find this. And the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the four corn of ear. The farmer just said that he didn't understand how it happened, but now God is is explaining how it's going to happen, that all of this in the process of time, that when you put the seed in, that God is going to make sure that the seed is going to come forth and that it's going to be there. And when we look at, well, what is a Bible going to do? What is the Bible going to do in the hands of somebody? My friend, let God take care of that. It's his word. It's his Holy Spirit that, that, that empowers that. But I, I encourage you to be faithful. To be faithful to what God has. There's a story that starts out this way. Once upon a time, there was an old man that got up every morning. And he walked down by the sh- seashore. He would take a walk, and one morning he was out walking, and there had been a big storm that came in, and there was a a lot of junk along the seashore there, and his eyesight was not real good, but from a distance he saw someone way down there. He kept walking and got closer and closer and closer, and finally he saw something odd. It was a young boy that was out there, and he was picking up starfish. He was picking them up, and he was throwing them back into the ocean. Because the storm that came in had washed tens of thousands of starfish up on the bank there. And the old man got up to him and said, why are you doing that? It's useless. You can't cover all 10,000 of them. The boy didn't listen. He reached down. He picked one up and threw it back in. He reached down another one and he threw it back in. He said, it means something to that one. It means something to that one. It means something to that one. And listen, there are 8.3 billion people in the world. Brother Brian, I, 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 I don't know if God has given you a vision for 8.3 billion Bibles yet, okay? Probably not. But every one of these... It's going to somebody. And for every person that gets it, it makes a difference with them. We cannot, you cannot cover everybody. And God is not going to judge us according to what we could not do. 
I believe God judges us according to what we could do. Like my wife and I have talked over the years, we started talking about giving to missions and, you know, oh, if we only had $10 million, what, what we could do for missions. And honestly, I mean, we, I mean, in a matter of a minute or two, we have it all given out. And then we start talking about, well, what if we had $100 million? And one day we, we were talking about $100 million, what we could do with that for missions. I said, honey, that, that wouldn't be enough. Honestly, we would need in the billions of dollars. And we honestly feel like if we had billions of dollars that we could give it out for mission. Now, the truth of the matter is we would never have billions of dollars to give out to missions. So God is not going to hold us accountable for billions we do not have. God is going to hold us accountable for what we do have and what we do with that. In Heartland Baptist, God, is, God has given you the ability. He has given you the equipment. That's what God's going to hold you accountable for, is what you have and what you can do. Back here in Isaiah chapter 55, it says, in verse 10, it says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from the heaven, returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it to bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereto I have sent it. The great thing is that with God's word, there is nothing that's impossible. God's word is able to come into a heart and it takes seed and when the time is just right, it starts to sprout. I remember as a 17-year-old boy, well, yeah, I grew up in a pastor's home and honestly, I did not either have these wild things or anything. I thank the Lord for that. I attended Smith Cotton High School in Sedalia and um, it was a public school and I remember one fall, fall day standing out in front of the high school and there was a bus getting ready to leave Sedalia to go to Jefferson City for a football game. There must have been 10, 12 of us kids there and about four cheerleaders came up. They all had drinks there in their hand. And for some reason, somebody said, well, what are you drinking? Now, this is over <clears throat> 40 years ago, Okay. And um, they said, what are you drinking? They said, oh, well, we went to Hardee's and we got soda, but we emptied it out and we have alcohol in here to take on the bus. Let me say, oh, give me a sip. Remember they're standing in in that circle to where it went from hand to hand to hand to hand. I remember that coming to me. Now, I didn't have an opportunity right then to think of every verse. But there was something that happened. My word have I hid in my heart. Am I not sinned against God? That day there as a 17-year-old, I had a major decision to make in life. Was I going to do that which was right before God? Or was I going to do that which pleased man? But you know what? God's word had been planted in my heart. 
And there at that moment and that time, the word of God started to bud and the word of God started to give forth fruit. And I passed it on and thank God I have never had a drink in my life. But you know what? It was because the word of God is powerful. And even under the greatest pressure of life that we may feel, the word of God is sufficient for everything that we need. Also, we find that there is labor for our fruit. Let's look back to Mark chapter 4 and verse 29 says this. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put forth the sickle and becometh, and um, because the harvest is come. It says, eventually, here's the whole story. He doesn't understand, but yet he gives God the credit. And then we are told how it happens is that, is that there's a bud and the there's a fruit and all of it grows, but the time comes to where there has to be a harvest. And there's a lot of things that we could go into here, but my friend, one day God is going to harvest his children. Are you ready to go? It's, it's unreal when you look at the, the days that we live in, the technology and, 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 and how the Christ came today, how that... Boom, boom, boom. You know what? They won't miss us. They won't miss us. They're going to be glad that we're gone. But yet the harvest comes. Let's look back over to Isaiah 55, and we're going to see a reference here to this. Isaiah 55, verse 13 said, Instead of the thorns shall come up the fig tree. Instead, the briar shall come up, the myrtle tree, and it shall be the Lord for a name, for the everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. We find that it is truly coming to where the Lord is going to harvest and the Lord is going to reap together. You know what? While yet we look forward to going home, I think God is really looking forward to us coming home. The Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. If the death of his saints are precious, how much more precious is the rapture going to be? I have five grandkids, and they're the most beautiful, so don't debate it with me, okay? Um, Because I hate for you to be wrong, okay? But beautiful grandkids. And they live in Belton. I get to see them often. And they come over to the house, and one of the greatest joys is when they come to the house. It's like, oh, how delightful that is. I think our Heavenly Father is anticipating the same thing with us. Yeah, He he knows us, He sees us, but you know, there's nothing like being with the Father. The Father is getting ready for the harvest. So my friend, as we get close, you know what? I I um I was a distance runner in high school. And one thing you always did towards the end of a race, you run harder than what you have ever ran before. There was an old preacher, and some of the men might, some of you might recognize his name, John Rollins. Very interesting guy. Towards the end of his life, he had a son that had a lot of money. He traveled around the world, spending the money on camps, Bible colleges, and all of that. 
And one day he was flying back from the Philippines, and it was late at night, and everyone was asleep on the plane except two people, John Rawlings and another guy. The other guy saw the light on towards the front of the plane. He thought, well, I'm going to go up and see what Dr. John's doing. So he walked up towards the front of the plane and sat down and said, Dr. John, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm just working on plans. I'm working on what the next thing is going to be. Dr. Rollins was about 90 years old at the time. He said, Doctor, why are you still doing this? Why are you still laboring so hard? He said, well, when I grew up as a boy, he said, my father would cut trees. And he would cut those trees and load them on a, on a wagon, and we would hook the mules up. And we would go to town to, to sell that lumber. And we would ride into town, and we would sell that lumber or sell the trees at the sawmill, and then it was time to go home. But the ride home was very, very long. And, and he said, you know, my father and I would fall asleep and the mules just knew the way back home. They would just go home. But we always knew we would get him close to home because when we got close to home, the mules could smell the farm. And they would take off in a run because they were so close to home, they could smell run, they, they, they could smell home and they were running towards home. He looked at that other preacher. He said, you know what? I can smell home. I can smell home. I'm trying to run as hard as I can to the finish line. God's word will always perform what's needed. Over in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than two, any two-edged sword, piercing even, even to the dividing of the sender of the soul and the spirit, the joints of the morrow, and is discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. It's staggering how powerful God's word is. I want to ask you this question as a church. You have been assembling these Bibles. Well, you know, in the process of assembling these Bibles, these, Bible hold, these Bibles hold all of the truth and all the doctrine that we believe about God. Everything from the creation to eternity future, all is contained within there. Everything we need to live is contained within there. And and you're assembling these Bibles so that someone can get the Bible and their lives can be transformed. Well, my question is this. As you are assembling the Bibles, has the Bible assembled your life? Think about that. Has the Bible assembled your life? Oh, yeah, it's one thing to touch it. It's one thing to be there on the presses and be doing all of that. But has the Bible itself truly made an impact upon your life? 
I brought a couple of illustrations for you tonight. This here is possibly in my library, my greatest prize I have. It's not my oldest books. I was telling your pastor, I have a book that was printed back in um, 1647 in my library. But this is unique. Here are two Bibles. They have little metal latches on them. And these these are copies of one another. This one, the latch is broken on it, but um, there's just very little really wrote within them. But these are our family Bibles. These Bibles entered our family in 1863, a hundred years before I was born. It's thought that the way that they entered into the family, that there was a traveling salesman with a wagon. You all have seen this on Gunsmoke or some of the old movies, okay? To a, a salesman coming by selling pots and pans, and this was probably a matching set that he had that he sold my great-great-great-grandparents, and they bought it. Up, up in northern Missouri, West of um, Trenton, about 10, 15 miles. My great-great-grandfather homesteaded up there, and there's a cemetery there, um, the Berry Cemetery. There used to be the Berry Cemetery, or, or, or the Berry Christian Church there, and I'm a, a landholder there in that cemetery. I own 42 plots. I came back from buying the plots one day, and I told the kids, hey, I bought your land. They said, what? I said, yeah, I bought your land. What? Yeah, I bought you a cemetery plot. <laughs> so I owned 42 plots up there in our family. I, I own the most. So maybe I might grow and need those spots. I don't know. But, you know, with it, this is very precious to me. Of course, one of the good things is back in this day, when they were printing Bibles, you didn't have all the various translations. They made it simple. These are King James but they were passed down from one person to another. But really what has happened over the years, these are over 160 years old. Put them back together later. Over 160 years old and they're still intact. It's really a shame that they are. You know what it tells me? They were not read. They were not studied. They were not practiced. And after my great-great-grandparents got these, they basically put them away and they went up on a shelf. They became an heirloom for the family. That's not the word that God's supposed to be. Because of that, we find that in northern Missouri that our Berry family became a very respected family in the community. But they were not a godly family. Oh, they would help their neighbor. They would do this and that. They would do all the things that was needed. But as far as living for God and doing what was, they did not. Because of that, you had generation after generation that went on and they were good people. They were lost. You go to the very cemetery today and there are hundreds of berries up there, the plots. 
they died lost without Jesus Christ. Because you know why? They, they took the burke and they put it away. They took the burke and they did not say, this is what a home is going to be. As for me and my house, what? We would serve the Lord. It wasn't that way. It was for me and my house, we're, the hunting season comes, we're going to hunt. We're going to fish. We're going to farm. We're going to make money. We're going to try to make a name for ourselves. But my friend, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? It profits nothing. So many of our, well, my forefathers, both men and women died lost without Jesus Christ because the book was put back and what it was intended for, it wasn't used for that. My word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed according to thy word. Our family did not do that. My father grew up in a very good home. Poor as can be, honestly. These Bibles said in my grandparents' house, but yet, as far as I know, besides looking at the front pages, they never read them. My father, when he was 12 years old, he went to visit another, not the Barry side, but my grandmother's side of the family. And in a shed, his 12-year-old cousin led him to the Lord. But he told him this. He said, now you're saved, but if you're sin, you won't be saved anymore. Well, for a 12-year-old boy, it only takes about 30 minutes to lose his salvation under those Type of rules, right? I mean, so, I mean, he got saved, but, I mean, he thought he had blown it. Because through high school, he started smoking. He started drinking, and then he wanted to live his life like the rest of the berries. He went into the Air Force, and during the Air Force, he drank and he smoked. Everyone else was doing it. Why not? What's wrong with it? So God took him out to Hutchinson, Kansas. And there in Hutchinson, Kansas, he was running the bars. And the bar, and in a bar one night, he met my aunt. And my aunt said, I know a young lady that you need to meet. And my father said, who? Well, my sister. That ended up being my mom. She, and she said, yeah, you come over to the house, so... My father went over to the house to meet my mom. And um, there was a youth activity going on two, two or three blocks down. And my mom said, well, I'm getting ready to go to the youth activity. He said, oh, well, can I go with you? She said, yeah. So they walked. And on the way back, um, my, my dad said, well, what do you do for fun? She said, I go to church. No, 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 no. What do you do for fun? My mom said, I go to church. He said, so is that about the only thing you do? She said, yeah, I, I, I go to church. He said, well, for fun? Yeah. He said, well, can I go? So my father started going. And when he started to go, you know what happened? The preacher did not stand up there talking about Butterflies and fairies and 
rainbows and blessing puppy dogs and all that stuff. The pastor took the Bible and just simply preached. Now I know that pastor, or I knew that pastor. He was not an eloquent man. He was not slick, but in the way he didn't need to be. Because the word of God is powerful. The power did not come from Johnny Nestor. It came from thus saith the Lord. And my father started getting under conviction and he started to realize that my his life didn't match up with the Bible. And my mom told him, Well, you need to get saved. He said, I I think I did that. But I think I lost it somewhere about 30 minutes after he did it. And then it was explained to him about what eternal security is. He said, well, then I'm saved. He followed the Lord in baptism. About a month later, he went home. And when he was in sixth grade, he went to a one-room schoolhouse. And the teacher told the kids that they memorized so many verses from the Bible that she would give them a Bible. And in sixth grade, he got a Bible. But you know what the problem was? That Bible became just like this. He, he went home on leave and he asked his mom, he said, is my Bible still here? She said, oh yeah, I think it's around here somewhere. She went and looked in her bottom drawer of her dresser. My grandparents only had one dresser. I can't imagine that. I, I need that many for my socks, okay? But they, they, they had one dresser for the two of them. She opened it up, and there it was still in a box. You know what he did? He found the book. And the book totally transformed his life. I have another Bible, and as you can tell, this is worn out. The cover's off of it. The pages are bent back. There's, There's notes in here. I like this one. It has pictures in it. I, I, I'm a visual person, okay? Maybe I need to get a Bible. Even color, neat. This Bible was given to somebody on Christmas Eve. 1957. This Bible was given to my mom. You know what she did as a teenager? She read the Bible. She studied the Bible. The Bible transformed her life. That way, when God brought Gerald Berry along within the life of my mother, there was a Bible that had been worn out. There had been a Bible that's been taken in. There was a Bible that was used opposed to a Bible that was just put on a shelf. My father soon followed the Lord in baptism. Parents got married. Today, there's five of us kids, all five of us are in church serving God. My brother and I, both of us pastor. From that, my father has one grandson that's going to Ireland as a missionary. He has another grandson that's looking at going some other place over in Europe as a missionary. He has another grandson that serves on staff with me 
He has other ones that most of the grandchildren serve the Lord. But from his immediate family, when you take his brothers and sisters and their family, there have been almost a hundred people that have come to Christ. Why? The word of God when it's found. My friend, it's something precious. It's something unique. It's something that's life-changing. My friend, it's similar in the Bible. It says good, but listen, if you never let the Bible assemble you, you missed out. You missed out. But dear Father, I pray tonight that God, as we look at this and look at what your word is able to do, we do this with great anticipation. God, that someone that has heard about Christ, they have heard about the Bible, now is going to get their own Bible. Father, we pray that as it has transformed our family, that God, it would transform them also. And God, we long for that day that we'll be in heaven the people from every tribe, language, tongue, nation, background that we can imagine that we'll all be gathered around the throne of God. Father, all of us would be there because of your grace and your sacrifice that you've given to Christ. Father, I pray that we may truly let the word of God have its full power upon our lives. God, that we may be, that, that, that the people here at Heartland Baptist, Father, that they may go into this community and the areas around. Father, when others and others and others, that this may be perpetual day after day, week after week, year after year, Father. May you receive all the glory and honor. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Brother. Brian, please. Let's continue in an attitude of prayer. I haven't had an altar call of sorts, but I do want to just take a moment.